Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. And joining me are two guys from Down Under, who I believe you celebrated Australia Day down there recently, actually, guys. So best wishes to you all and everyone else who listens and was celebrating this week. Vito Doria, you're the first one to get an introduction. Welcome back. Thanks, Connor. Also good to have you back after your trip away to Bergamo. So looking forward to more... Yeah, cultural discussion. Yeah, and the guy who filled in for me, of course, is the other returning guest this week. Nick, thanks for last week and welcome back. No worries, Connor. Good to be back. Some been some uh, horrific results in Serie A, but um, I'm here to talk about them, so let's get going. Yeah, I should probably let the listeners know. Nick is in really good form tonight. Like, he is in the best mood I've ever seen him in, so enjoy that. Because mm. uh, we'll start with Inter, but not with their results, because I don't really want to talk too much about that we've spoken about into a lot this season but Mauro Cardi is in the headlines again because he's been active on social media he put up a post today on I think both Instagram and Twitter saying ciao ciao and there was a message in Spanish or something that said he was learning how to say goodbye Nick do you think Mauro Cardi is off to Real Madrid no in one word no I'm with you oh, yeah I I don't even, I, I, I'm just bringing it up to be safe, I think, because I, I think this guy loves attention, doesn't he? And it's not going to happen. Him and Wanda are keen for the social media posts to make people talk about them. But Yeah, I, I think they're just sort of uh, having a bit of a play. But um, I, I can't, as much of a negative background as he has, I couldn't see him just leaving into like that in that manner without, you know, mm. um, leaving them for dead, basically, because without Icardi... Um, there would be a lot of problems in attack. I mean, more than there is already. So I think it's safe to say that he'll be staying. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Vito, if you don't disagree, we'll just leave it at that and move straight into the games at the weekend then. But if you do disagree, shout now. Uh, I reckon he'd be leaving in June if he did. But uh, no, I can't see him leaving now. It's just too sudden. So I reckon he's yeah. just playing games. Yeah, he does. He does like to play this this sort of game. I think him, particularly his wife. I think she's his wife now. Right, Milan Lazio is the best place to start. Milan won two one. You heard that right. And Vito Gennaro Gattuso's AC Milan are actually starting to take shape now. They've won three straight games in Serie A for the first time in a year, which is ridiculous in itself. But they were impressive against Lazio, weren't they? Credit which true and. Definitely. I think Gattuso had his uh, best coaching performance so far under the Rossoneri. And AC Milan probably played the best game for the season. Uh, I really liked the way that they were looking for each other, 
the way they were passing and just the combinations as well. It's been a while since we've seen AC Milan do well um, in terms of their attacking game and overall performance, but also Gattuso has had his fair share of critics, even here on FIF, and I must admit I was sceptical about his appointment, but uh, based on this week's game, um, Milan played with a confidence and also they also played with a belief and know-how when they were attacking. There was more, not just passing, but the play looked less predictable and I think that was important. It also helped that Gattuso made some good choices, probably because he had to, with the starting lineup. I think having Patrick Cutrone start in attack ahead of Nikola Kalinic helped and Luke Antonelli at left back instead of Ricardo Rodriguez, I think that was uh, good too. Yeah, Cutrone did play quite well. He got his goal. It turned out to be quite a controversial one, really, because it did seem to hit his hand. But, Nick, did he just show Gattuso why Nikola Kalinic shouldn't be playing? Uh, I mean, if Kalinic hadn't showed that himself the last bloody three months, then, yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean, we've constantly questioned it and... Um, yeah, um, he, you know, while he didn't actually hit it properly with his head, you know, he took the opportunity in some way, um, I guess you could say. But, no, he was involved. He um, he looked quite good out there. I think he kind of worked well with uh, with the offence there. And um, I, I don't know what else he has to do to get, well, him and Andre Silva. Um, I'm still, it was at least good to see him take the pitch and he almost got on to the end of one. But by that stage, the game had kind of fizzled out a bit and it was quite scrappy. So again, Silva didn't really get to see much game time, but um, it was good to see at least Catrone out there um, taking advantage of the starting position. But yeah, Kalinic, I think he's surely got to have a bench spot from now on because he has not earned a starting position in any manner whatsoever. No, um, Personally, I'd have Kalinic as the third choice there, to be honest. Cutrone and Andre Silva should be one and two in where they were already alike. But Cutrone is really impressive. He always seems to have space. That's one thing you notice when you see him. He always seems to find that right part of the pitch to move where he has that little bit of space that buys him that extra bit of time. But where do you think this leaves Andre Silva, Nick? I'll stick with you because you brought him up. That He signed for what? Was it about 40 million in the summer? And he can't get a look in really except for in the Europa League where, he, to be fair, he has done very well. So now they had Kalinic starting ahead of him. Now they've got this kid from the academy playing ahead of him. Is he going to be one of the players that moves on in the summer? Yeah, it's, it's one of those strange ones. Sometimes you get these players and it's, I, for me, it's possibly a little bit like Delbert at Inter where you have to wonder where players like Silva, is something happening in training that's just, He's completely not getting it or he's not getting the system. He's not understanding how they want to play or it's, it's, it's hard to answer that question because from a fan's perspective, you don't see obviously behind the scenes. So you have to wonder what he's doing wrong because by what he had previously done um, in Portugal, by uh, the amount that was spent on him, you have to say he's got to be playing way more minutes than he is. So you just really have to wonder what is going on behind the scenes. I, I can't explain it. Yeah, it really is a strange one because when he came in, I know Cristiano Ronaldo was talking this summer about how impressive a player he was and how the future of Portugal's attack was in safe hands because they had this superstar kid coming through. But I'm just looking at this. He, he scored, what, six goals in six Europa League games, two goals in the qualification games. But he's not done anything in Serie A. And I think a large part of that is just because he hasn't had enough of an opportunity. Uh, Davide Calabria and Alessio Romagnoli also impressed, I think it's fair to say. But Vito, you've been writing this week about a guy who I was keen to get you to write about because Giacomo Bonaventura has always been a personal favourite of mine for obvious reasons. But he's becoming a pretty key player for Milan under Gattuso. So do you want to talk about his impact and plug your piece if you like? Well, without trying to repeat too much of what I've put in the piece, so um, please do have a look once it's up. 
Um, I did talk about Bonaventura and his form under Gattuso. He's got four goals in eight games. So basically, yeah, a goal in every second game on average. And he's contributed to five of Milan's 10 Serie A goals under Gennaro Gattuso. So the four goals I just mentioned, plus one assist in that 2-2 draw against Benevento. And... Yeah, I'm a fan of Bonaventura too. I just think early in the season he had injuries and even generally speaking, I think sometimes in his career he's had consistency issues. But perhaps with better fitness and also with the way Gattuso was setting up the team, it might really be beneficial for Bonaventura to show what a complete player that he can be because he's a fantastic dribbler, he's got good pace. And he's got a good football brain because he's not the tallest guy, but he scored from a few headers this season. So with a player of his height to get some headers, I think that's uh, excellent. Yeah, in the in the dark years for Milan over the last couple of seasons, basically as long as he's been there since joining from Atalanta, I always thought he was quite impressive relative to what was going on around him. And I know that speaks a lot for the lack of quality that was in that Milan team for so many years. But... Even now, when given an opportunity under Gattuso, he's really taking it. Milan now are seventh place. They are just three points off Samp in sixth. And you would expect them to kind of do battle now with Atalanta, Samp, Udinese, maybe even Roma for the Europa League spots there. But I don't think they will be troubling the Champions League still. They're 10 points off and there's, what, 16 games to go? I think it's safe to say they won't be hitting that. Nick... Lazio missed Chiro Mobile, as you would expect them to, but concerned with this, or will they just be able to write it off as a defeat? Because it's only their fourth of the season. Yeah, I mean, particularly when you consider their their form or their um, past results at the San Siro, it's not a good record whatsoever. So I'm, I'm sure Inzaghi will be happy to write that one off. Um, in saying that, you know, there's there's some things to take from it. I think they they lack someone kind of controlling their attack. I felt um, a lot of kind of wasteful opportunities. There was a lot of lost possession all over the place. Um, there was no one just really taking control. I felt it was just uh, out and out kind of individuals. Um, not so, you know, we always talk about teams, but I felt they kind of lacked that a bit going forward on the weekend, and that's probably. Um, you know, Milan played into that. I think as the game went on, it got a bit more scrappy, particularly in the second half, and that pretty much played into the Rossinelli's hands. So fair play to Caduso and Milan. Um, it probably took Lazio's ability away from them, their strengths. In saying that, um, you know, I mean, really, uh, Lulic had an amazing opportunity to equalise, so... It wasn't without. They didn't have their. Um, they did have their chances. Sorry. So, um, I don't know what he was doing. Like it did come to him quickly, but he he kind of wasn't sure whether to knee it, head it, chest it, or what. Um, so I actually thought he had a bit of a poor game, to be honest. Um, and then um, I was a bit disappointed with both Nani and uh, Felipe Anderson when they both came on. Uh, because they, they always look like they might do something, but they just um, they were trying something like as soon as they came on and just losing possession constantly. Um, so I thought it was just just a lack of control in that um, final third. So I'm sure they'll welcome Chiro and Mobile back, but um, I wouldn't be too concerned. And, um, you know, given their recent form, I'm sure they can um, carry on from where they left off. I would agree the comments are just starting to heat up here now. Jax is back. Ciao, guys. Jack, welcome back. It's been a while since I've heard from you. And a Milan fan, I assume, has commented saying he hopes that it's just due to poor management from Montella that Andre Silva hasn't produced. But then he does go on to say it's hard to get a chance to prove yourself with the way Catrone has been grasping his opportunities, which is a fair point. But let's hope Andre Silva does get the chance to show what he is capable of doing as well. Napoli-Bologna, 3-1. Napoli went behind after about 34 seconds, I think, through Rodrigo Palacio. And they came back as, to be fair, guys, they always seem to this season. They have picked up 18 points from losing positions in Serie A this year, more than any other team. Are they the new Juventus? No, I won't go that far, but they're showing great spirit there, Nick. Do you think... 
what do you think of this? Obviously, that's a good sign. Yeah, um, the, the new Juventus. I'm not sure how. Yeah, no, it's it's always good to see when, when teams can go behind and they have the mental um, stability to be able to keep themselves controlled and um, get back into the match. Um, yeah, it's it's the kind of the kind of mentality that you want to championship team let's say to have so uh <laughs> nah. <laughs> so no nah, it's a it's good to see good for them it's good to see Mertens scoring goals again he went on a huge um drought there in Serie A so it's all it's all looking good for Napoli um let's just hope they can continue it we can get a race out of it um yeah and can I just say how good is Rodrigo Palacio what a legend you know, I always hated him when he was at Inter. And my hatred of him was purely because of his stupid hairstyle. And I, me and you actually <laughs> argued about this in, I think it was in Napoli, Nick. Me and you got into a heated discussion about Rodrigo Palacio. And the only reason I could come up with for hating him was that fucking hairstyle. And I stand by it. But I think he's a great player for Bologna to have, to be honest, because he's got that experience of a top club and he's just he does fight to be fair to him and he, he probably doesn't really need to he's getting on now but he, he really does give everything you mentioned Mertens and I did want to discuss him because I was aware that he wasn't scoring as many goals as he would like but he hadn't scored in Serie A since the 29th of October and now he's got three goals in two games Vito do you think he's hitting form at just the right time as things get really important for Napoli I really hope so because he's a fundamental player to that Napoli team. He was absolutely outstanding last season, especially when Sari puts him in that false nine role. But I thought in the last couple of months, he was either too tired or he looked like he did not have the same determination as he had in other games. So I think to score the win against Atalanta last week and then two goals against the Bologna, uh, I think it's come at a right time and he needs it for both his team's sake and his own sake as well. So it's great that Napoli actually have that extra scoring outlet again and, you know, it takes pressure off his teammates to score the goals. Yeah, he did. He had a break somewhere sunny during the, the winter holidays and I think he uploaded a photo with the caption something along the lines of getting rested so I can come back and score loads of goals. So it's good to see that his confidence hasn't dipped and he's delivering on his promise. But I think the best thing to happen in this game, without any doubt, was the return of Dries Mertens' invisible friend. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but when Napoli smashed Bologna last season, what was it, 7-1 or whatever it was, Mertens was on the ground and there was a shot of him raising his hand and being lifted up by someone that didn't exist. And he did it again at the weekend. So maybe the invisible friend is from Alanya and he only shows up for those games. But I personally thought that was the best thing to happen in Serie A this weekend. Um, Napoli were knocked off top place temporarily by Juventus, who beat Kiev 2 0 on Saturday evening. And, Vito, you know, they were made to sweat by Kievo for a while anyway, until they went down to nine men. But <laughs> Nick, is doing, Nick, we're going to get to that. Don't you worry. <laughs> Vito, what did you make of this game then? Because it was one of those where it wasn't always easy, but I don't think there was ever really the sense that Juve weren't going to grind out that win. What, what are your thoughts? We'll talk about the controversies uh, later, but uh, yeah, it just goes to show that even if... Uh, Juventus had to play against nine men. They still got a much better squad than Kievo. And Kievo, they're one of those underdog teams that really play in a so-called provincial style or you could say a slightly old-school Italian style. They're just there just to, you know, avoid limitation damage pretty much. Uh, even if uh, Kievo had stayed to with 11 men, I don't think Juventus uh, would have uh, really suffered against them. I reckon Juve, once again, they showed that they just need to do enough to win and uh, there were two well-taken goals on their end. Yeah, Nick, Cacciatore got sent off. Do you want to... <laughs> he 
he did a handcuff gesture basically he he went down I don't know if he was shouting for a penalty or just saying that he had a sore back and it was never a penalty and his back definitely wasn't that sore but Juve went down the other end the ball went out of play and Cacciatore didn't let it go he was giving it to the referee and the referee told him to leave the pitch to get treatment or whatever it was Cacciatore ran over to the fans did a handcuff gesture and then held it behind his back and the referee sent him off it was a straight red card which is not a straight red card offence in the laws of the game Nick what did you think of this? Yeah, it's it's a very interesting one. I'm I'm kind of mixed on it to be honest. I'm I'm one of those people that anything that I see that's against um, that puts the the league or the sport into disrepute, disrepute I have no um, tolerance for it at all. So in one way, I'm happy that you know something. I mean, it's just it's, it's a stupid thing to do, um, and I'm kind of happy in that way. I mean, it's it. It's, I'm sure a lot of uh, fans probably thought back to Mourinho um, back when he was at Inter when he got, uh, I think he got three match suspension and like forty thousand euro for, uh, fine for for doing that. I think it was against Sampdoria, actually. Correct me if I'm wrong, Vito, but I think you might be right. Yeah, um, yeah. It's um, so. <laughs> I'm good to see that kind of stuff because I hate to see it because it's the kind of stuff that Italian football really needs to just stay away from any kind of hint that there's any of that going on. So I hate to see that. But at the same time, I do kind of agree with you with what you've said there, Connor, in that I question, well, I question firstly, what did the ref actually see that himself? Has he got a call from somewhere? And then, Additionally, is it his place to actually make that call? Because it doesn't seem like, as you said, it's something that he has the discretion to make a call on. So, um, you know, I'm all for referees um, having a bit of discretion to interpretation, let's say. But, yeah, I'm not sure that was his place to kind of come in and say that. I'm, I'm more than happy for the Liga to come in after the match and, um, fine him, ban him, do whatever they want. But I'm just not sure whether, um, yeah, the referee had the discretion to do that. Yeah, Nick, that was the first thing that came into my head as well because I've never seen anything like that before. Um, and I couldn't believe that he was sent off. So I went on to FIFA's Laws of the Game, which is not exactly the kind of content you want to be reading on a Saturday evening. But basically, they say that a player... Player substitute or substitute player is sent off if he commits any of the following seven offences. And the only one that is applicable is using offensive, insulting or abusive language and or gestures. But then a player is cautioned and shown a yellow card if he commits any of the following seven. And there was something, where is it gone now? Basically something about dissent by word or action. What he did wasn't offensive. It, it was dissent. So it's a yellow card. I think... The referee, I put this out on Twitter, the referee had his pride question, threw his toys out of the pram, had a tantrum and just sent them off to shut him up, basically, which is immature, childish behavior at its very best. But it really annoyed me because a lot of people are very touchy about this whole thing, especially when it's in favor of Juventus. And I saw a lot of what I consider to be stupid comments about people saying, oh, Calciopoli still exists and because this favours Juve, they're still bribing people and stuff like that, which is absolute fucking nonsense. But it raises that again. And like you say, I'm in favour of anything that puts the game into disrepute, raises these questions, just shut up and go away. But uh, the decision was shocking. It it really was a bad decision. Vito, uh, I might as well throw it over to you to get a full house of thoughts on this. What did you make of this handing off? Hmm. Based on the rules uh, that you've mentioned, Kachatori perhaps should have just got the yellow, but at the same time, I just thought his general behaviour was childish and baby-like. So, in a way, I don't really blame Maresca for giving Kachatori the sending. Young off. Uh, these days, you know, like you guys just mentioned, you know, all these things just to get an upper edge or trying to play by the fine line, I think that's one part of the Italian game that needs to disappear. Don't try to look for any sort of special favours or things like that. Just 
play the game, uh, believe in your own qualities, and that's it. As for Juve getting preferential treatment and all that, um, we can analyse the those moments such as Cacciatore sending off the two yellows from Bastion and all that. But let's be serious. I mean, as I mentioned, was Kiev ever going to ever be good enough to pull off a miracle comeback? I mean, let's be realistic. This is not Del Neri's Kiev. The Kiev of Moran's an average team. Even if it was 11 v 11, Juventus still has enough individual quality to beat them, as addressed by Kadira scoring the goal and then Higuain scoring with the header. So... Um, Another thing, too, is Juve's not one of those giants that can go out and thrash teams. So I think that's another reason why uh, they still get this controversy. They just know how to scrap through games and grind out the wins. That's their style, especially under Allegri, and, and that's it. But if Juve was a team that was winning 5-0 every week like uh, the other giants in Europe, then maybe these controversies wouldn't be talked about as much or if they were setting the Champions League on fire because there's a big difference between the Serie A form and the Champions League form. So maybe that's another way for the controversy to disappear. But if they're getting these one nils or two nils and with all these other controversial decisions popping up, I'm sure the stigma around Juventus is sadly going to remain. Yeah, we'll move on from the controversy because it's a bit boring really, isn't it? Because Calciopoli and all that. But because Federico Bernadeschi annoys me. Okay, because he came on for Juve and I lost count of the number of times he got the ball on the right, cut down on his left and hit a ridiculous and terrible shot that went nowhere near goal and Massimiliano Allegri was losing the plot on the touchline um, because of where Bernadeschi was playing and shooting from. You could see them both in the same shot quite often and it was very enjoyable to see Allegri losing his mind. Correct me if I'm wrong. Vito, I'm going to come to you for this first. Federico Bernadeschi is not good enough to be playing for Juventus. Well, he's not exactly a starter. Well, put it that way. So, yeah, he doesn't really show enough of the form to really break into the first 11. At least he did set up that goal for Kadira. So that's something to take pride in. But, of course, he needs to offer greater input from the bench and he's got to be far more accurate with his passing and his shooting. So at the moment, um, with all these missed shots, it shows that yeah, he doesn't show that he's really worthy to start at Juventus at the moment. And uh, look, it's one thing to play like Ian Robin, but Ian Robin's a great player. So if you're going to mimic his style, work on your shots on training, make sure they're accurate. And after all, he's a professional player and you know, obviously, I don't play the game, but he's got the talent. He's in a position to do so. Maximise those opportunities. Make the most of them. And if Bernadeschi puts his mind to it, uh, you know, he can be a danger for Juve. But I don't see him getting a starting position anytime this season anyway. No, agreed. I, don't, I just don't see what he offers them that they don't already have with better quality. Like Juan Cuadrado can do that job of being energetic, making chances. Um covering every blade of grass on his side. And um, Bernadeschi is he's too immature when he really should have matured by now. I didn't understand it when Juve signed him from Fiorentina and I still don't think he has proven himself there yet. But Nick, what do you think? Am I being too harsh? Could he do a job for, I don't know, someone of Fiorentina's level, dare I say, a mid-table Serie A club? Or am I just getting annoyed because he's playing for the best team in Italy? Yeah, I mean, to, to in his defence, I will say that um, you know he hasn't really had the opportunity to to get any kind of um, consistency at Juventus. So um, one of, one of my biggest problems with Bernadeschi is that he at times can be brilliant, and we saw that at Fiorentina, where sometimes he'd just do one thing, and he for ninety minutes he wouldn't be great, but he'll do one thing, and then every, the next day everyone talks about him, like. That's that's the kind of player he's yeah. kind of seemed to be. He's not a consistent just, player, and and then you kind of multiply that at Juventus, where he's not getting any game time. So of course he's not going to be that kind of player. Which obviously brings you back to the question: Why would Juventus buy a player like that if they're not going to really give him that many minutes? So um, yeah, I, I don't. I think he's. You know, I, 
I think he has the potential, but I mean, we've been saying that for years now that he has a potential mm. to be this or that. It's, as you said, it's getting towards the time he's 23 now. He needs to kind of mature as a footballer. And this is maybe one of the situations where the player should have stayed at a Fiorentina or a club like that till he properly matured as a footballer because he moved there at the, it doesn't seem like it was at the right time. And to Juventus of all places, I mean, let's be honest, he was never going to get that much of an opportunity. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else to really say. Yeah, I, I think uh, you said that he, he, he can do one thing in a game, but that's because he's trying it 10 or 15 times, you know, just well, shooting yeah, from exactly, yeah. Yeah. One of them is bound to come off because you're a professional footballer. And I do think that that's probably why he's not playing for Juventus because Allegri just isn't having that. He wants his teams to be disciplined, mature, sensible. And Bernadeschi isn't that. He's, I don't know, selfish and greedy is probably too harsh, but he's too keen to make an impression. He's too keen to have the headlines being written about him, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh. But uh, Philip, we've got some comments actually coming in. Well, Philip has asked, have we talked about Inter Milan yet? Or did I join on that? We'll get to them. I thought it was actually about Milan. We will get to Inter briefly because Nick might actually cry today. And they're just having a nice little discussion about Hellas, Fiorentina, which um, but I didn't see this. Vieri Capretta was at it. So he's a Fiorentina fan and he put up a tweet saying that he didn't know what was happening. And I asked him what was going on. His answer was, I don't even know. I'm sitting in silence watching. So, guys, um, just in case you guys, I don't really, we're not going to go into that. If you want to ask what happened with Fiorentina Verona at the weekend, go to Twitter, at Vieri Capretta, and ask him what the f*** went on. But be kind, because the, those wounds are still raw for poor Alvieri. But, right, we'll, we'll lighten the mood. Vito, Sampdoria only went to the Stadio Olimpico and bloody beat Roma 1-0. Mm. No Fabio Quagliarella, no problem for the Blue Chiacchiati. And that was an impressive win. So, go on, have, have your minute. Well, not only did uh, Quagliarella sit on the bench, but there was no Ivan Strinic. Nicola Muru took his place and he probably had his best game for the club so far, creating the winning goal for Duvan Zapata. And uh, Dennis Pratt came off injured midweek, so Edgar Barreto took his place and he had a good game too. So, you know, not at full strength, but uh, the boys, they played a great game. It was a shame it was only 1-0 because we created so many chances but Allison was superb in the Roma goal. And look, some of the Romanisti might get angry that I'm going to say this, but Roma's had their fair share of 7-1 defeats in their history. If there was a time that Sampdoria could have done it, it would have been this game. But Allison has shown that he's probably the best Roma keeper I've seen in watching Serie A for nearly 20 years. And he's only been a starter for six months. So I think the Giallo Rossi should be grateful that they've got a goalkeeper like him because... He was excellent. Otherwise, there were a few Sampdoria plays. They could have scored one or two goals in this game. And just the possession play, the combinations, you know, it was excellent short-passing football. And it goes to show that you do not need big names to play entertaining football. Not only that, you can be a so-called smaller side and take the game on and get wins. So um, I was very happy with the approach of the team. And Roma had a few of their chances too, but we looked more inspired, more creative, more intelligent. And Emiliano Viviano too, he had a good game and saved that penalty from Florenzi. So, you know, it always helps to have a complete site, not just to be good in one part of the field and weak in others. Yeah, Emiliano Viviano, I'm glad you mentioned him because he was actually the goalkeeper that got into the aforementioned Vieri's Forza Italian Football Team of the Week ahead of Alisson. And I think it really was a coin toss between the two. And it was probably in the end determined by the result and the fact that Viviano saved that penalty. Nick, I think Florenzi missing that penalty is justification for Diego Perotti's penalty technique because he would have scored that. But Roma look like, it looks like Edin Dzeko is going to stay now. Um, But that is very much his decision rather than the clubs because they seem more than happy to let him go to Chelsea. 
along with Emerson Palmieri. But I think Dzeko had recently just bought a house in Rome. He's happy there. He's two young kids, so he didn't want to leave. But Roma, if they're becoming a supermarket. They, they were in the summer. They seem happy to sell absolutely anybody. And they can't win Serie A like this. Can they, Nick? I'll give this one to you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. They can't win Serie A by selling players. No, certainly not. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, we we spoke about it briefly last week, and it was. Um, the whole Jekko situation and it seems kind of particularly in a situation where they're just struggling to score any goals and yet they seemed willing to let their their main striker like and not only that not only the goal scorer but you know you know probably I should say in Jekko's defense he does a lot of um of uh holding up the ball that he probably doesn't get that much credit for um so he he's obviously a very important player and it just seems a bit uh irrational for for a club fighting for the Champions League and possibly not really winning the battle at the moment um, to to be pretty much happy, as you said, to, to let let a player like that go. So without anyone that seemed really um, the, to fill that void anyway. So, yeah, a strange one. Um, you know, it, it might be a case of that whole um, building still, you know, Maybe they they're looking at it as a two to three year kind of um, project, which I can understand, and that's I guess something a lot of us said. My, my me myself, I've kind of said with Di Francesco coming in, I've, I looked at it as a long term project that they need to be patient for, and maybe it's just the fact that Roma has overperformed for a lot of us that we kind of are now questioning it more. I don't know. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here, but um, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, it it, do, it does make you question it, but you know, nineteen shots, forty one crosses, no zero goals, um, and they still average more shots per game than anyone in Serie A. So um, they they just need to get their scoring uh, scoring boots back on. Um, particularly with Jeko, I'm, I'm interested to see how this affects his confidence too, because he is a confidence player, and you kind of you you want your club to fight for you a little bit. So I, I wonder whether this would um, might might affect him negatively mentally. Yeah, Philip has said that he doesn't think Roma will be in the Champions League next season, and th- their place is definitely at risk. I think Lazio at the moment look the most certain of that three, Lazio, Inter, and Roma, to get the Champions League spot. And then it could just come down to Inter and Roma, and whoever messes it up the least will get it. So it's not going to be earned. It's going to be lost more than anything else. Vito, you guys, Sam, are seven points off at the moment. Don't give up the dream. The Champions League race is very much on. If Atalanta finished fourth last year, you guys can do it this. Um, I'm going to come to you, Nick. I'm coming to you next for Spal Inter briefly. But Vito, while we let Nick rest, Patrick Schick, because 
if if Sheko did leave, Schick is probably the obvious first choice, maybe with Defrel. But is he ready to lead the line for a club like Roma in the Champions League at the moment, or does he still have a bit of growing to do? He still has some growing to do. Uh, I was talking about on the pod last weekend. I don't think he's ready, and that's because of the health issues that he had in the um, off-season or pre-season. And he was ruled out of this week's game against Sump. So, again, I don't think his body's up to scratch this season. And to be honest, I think the 2017-2018 season should just be a write-off for Schick. So if Checo stays, um, I think that's very good for Roma because even in a form slump, you're better off having someone of his experience and quality there than to have uh, Jekko go off to Chelsea because if Schick's not fit, the only other option is Gregor de Frel, who Di Francesco knows from Sassuolo, but I see him as more of a winger than a centre forward. So it's better that they keep Jekko because Schick, I reckon, is still too brittle and too fragile to lead the line for the time being. Um, yeah, perfect. Nick... <laughs> Interspal, uh, they threw it away in the last minute. Alberto Poloski scored. Spal have basically just become Atalanta B because <laughs> the number of players that have gone there from Bergamo is ridiculous. They've got Poloski, Drame, Kurtic, Grassi, Bariello. I've probably missed some as well, but I, I'm smiling because one of the questions that's come in, I think you might have seen it too because I saw you smile is from CM Fox, and he says, does anybody else think Kandreva is crap, or is it just me? I've never rated him highly at all. Nick, there's your question. CM Fox, I'm with you 100%. He is the most <laughs> frustrating player in the world. He, Like, sure, he can he can strike a ball pretty decent, but the amount of... He even he gets the assists and people kind of seem to look at the stats and say, oh, well, he's, he's made this many assists for this season, so he's, he must be pretty good. But the amount of bloody opportunities that goes down his side, the amount of opportunities he has to cross to do something with the ball and he just Fs it up completely is ridiculous. He, he ruins so many chances for Inter. And I, I, when, when they signed him, I thought it's – paying too much for him and since then he um but there's someone disagrees apparently he works too hard um but uh, to be honest i you know when i compare him to perisic who you know does that kind of role in defense as well i I don't think he works as hard as others um certainly in the team so i and the most annoying thing is these players they can't be substituted they're they're never well, I mean, I say that, but he was at half time, and that kind of shows you. Um, yeah, Ejo was brought on at uh, at half time, but when you've got Paris, uh, Perisic as well, completely out of form, um, and with Kondreva, then it just leaves Inter with absolutely nothing in attack uh, in the centre midfield. There's nothing coming forward to provide that central option. Marcelo Brozovic certainly doesn't do it for me. Um, and it doesn't seem to do it for Inter either. But um, I'm not sure what Rafinha can really do to help that team. But there are some serious problems. And, yeah, Kondreva, don't like it. Um, but, unfortunately, on both wings, there's not a lot of depth at all. So, yeah, it's um, good luck to Spalletti because it's going to be a tough finish to the season. And um, that Champions League spot's starting to look more and more difficult. Fun fact about Antonio Kondreva, he is the player who I gave my lowest ever player rating to after a match. He was playing for Lazio against someone. And no joke, every time he got the ball, it didn't matter where he was, he tried to take a shot. And I gave him a 2.5 because he he really pissed me off. (laughs) And I don't care how Lazio do. And I was getting annoyed watching him. But the, those defending him seem to be just saying that he's too tired when he gets the ball. So he just kicks it away, which is not ideal for a, an attack-minded footballer, really, is it? But credit to Spal. He doesn't run as much as Perisic. No, Perisic is an absolute machine. So judging anybody by Perisic's standards is pretty harsh. Um, someone, Phil, this is you again, I think. 
Um, if Lazio starts degrading like Roma and Milan continue to win, I think both Milanese clubs could be in the Champions League. I think you are mad because <laughs> Milan are 10 points off the Champions League and 12 points off Lazio. And Philip, I'm happy to have you in the comments, but I think that is a step too far. And I'm not having that. Um, right, that's all the games, guys. Pietro Pellegri has gone to Monaco from Genoa. He's about 12 years old, and I think he has made a very good decision to go to Monaco, given how they seem to improve their youngsters. Vito, you've been sitting so quietly there for a few minutes. So what do you make of Pellegri's move? He had to leave Genoa, let's be honest. <laughs> I knew it. If he was on the other side of Genoa, different story. A bit of dirty style, dirty intelligence, he would have progressed. I would like a 16-year-old from our academy. Hopefully become better than uh, Viali, but that's another dream. With all seriousness, though, um, moving to Monaco is actually a good move because they can develop the youngsters. I mean, you look at the team that reached the semifinals of the Champions League last season. Um, on average, that was a very young team, and unfortunately they had to sell. But, you know, you got – there was Mbappe and a few others, Bakayoko. So um, nurturing young talent – that's the thing in France, you know. Um, they don't have the big money. Well, at least until now, there's, there wasn't much big money in Ligue 1. So it's good for Pellegrini to go there. And even if he doesn't play for the remainder of this season, maybe next season he'll be nurtured properly into the team and he might have the breakthrough because um, as much as we would like to see more youth come into Italian football and last season there were a lot of good kids coming around, I still think in Italy the way Italian kids are integrated into the team, uh, I still think there's still some issues and I still think the mentality is still a bit old school that you've really got to get in there straight away. So maybe playing in Liga, he's got more patience, more room to grow. Let's hope so. Um, you could probably argue that even Stefano Sarawi went away to Monaco, came back an improved player after things went quiet for him with me and um, Pellegri is definitely a talent, but he is still very, very young. He's probably, he probably is better off away from Genoa, to be fair. I know you're always going to say that, Vito, but I think you're probably right. Um, if we do have any new listeners, that's the kind of thing Vito likes to say about Genoa. So if you're a Genoa fan, this might not be the podcast for you. But guys, that it will do it for the week's action. And we're now going to move on to the FIF Cup because... I don't know what you two thought, thought about this, but it was a lot of fun, even though Team FIF didn't fare too well. Basically, for those of you listening, viewing, whatever you're doing, who missed it, we started a competition about two weeks ago where we were kind of overwhelmed. We had 42 entrants who chose their ideal Serie A11s with just one rule. You could only choose one player of each, of each team in Serie A. So we played out group stages, round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, and a final with every game going to public vote. And now two weeks on, we finally have a winner, much to the delight of myself and Dov's Kivani, believe me. Uh, the final came down to Capitano Flint and Marco Christian. And while the votes were close on the website, on social media, Twitter and Facebook, it was it was a landslide, really. So congratulations to Capitano Flint, who has become the first ever FIF Cup winner. And he will receive a Serie A shirt of his choosing and an FIF mug, which has the beautiful Roberto Baggio or Fabio Cannavaro on it. Marco, don't worry, you're not leaving empty-handed and you yourself will get an FIF mug as well as a Panini sticker album. So both of you go home pretty happy. Um, we'll probably do another one of these in the summer because... Italy aren't in the World Cup, so we will be looking for things to fill our time with. So do keep an eye out for that. Um, Vito, me and you both crashed out in the group stages. And I'm holding a bit of a grudge about this because I don't think I deserved to go out in the group stages. Um, I know you were disappointed as well. So do you wanna, what did you make of the, the inaugural FIF Cup? Look, it's an interesting concept. I hope more people get involved in it because uh, it's good to see everyone's opinions on different teams and see what knowledge they have. Uh, I just thought with some of the teams, they looked a bit out of balance. So 
if you were just looking at individuals, some of the teams look good. But if you take into account formations and tactics, some of the teams just looked a bit mm-hmm. bit odd for my liking. I thought I had a pretty balanced team. But I think when we do this again, I'm staying away from 3-5-2. I think it's lack of success on the international stage. I think it puts a lot of people off. So I'm going to go with the back four formation next time. Yeah, I think I might do the same because I went for the, the popular 3-4-3 and I'm holding a personal grudge against our very own Louis Gilbert-Thomas because the only game I think I lost in the group stages was against him and that was his only win and that's the reason I didn't go through. My team was Cordaz, Chiellini, Bonucci, Messina, Calihon, Nangolan, Torreira, Malinkovic-Savic, Bellotti, Icardi and Papa Gomez, which deserves to get out of the group stages. Nick, I think you were you actually did get out of the group stages despite definitely having a weaker team to me. And uh, well, how far did you make it? You did quite I made it to the, I, I was strong, made it to the quarterfinals, and then I thought I was through um, to the next round, but I got jibbed in the website voting somehow. I think uh, it was oh, against one of, our, one of our fellow FIF people, so I think he's, uh, I think there's some, I think there's a bit of this going on. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Let's let's hope for um, the next the second edition of the cup. It's um, the match fixing is out of it, and uh, I have a fair shot. But no, I was proud of my team. It was a solid team, and uh, we'll be stronger for next time. Um, that won't come across to anyone who downloads this, but I do think there was a bit of this going on, and that's not from the people at FIF. That is from the people who made it pretty far in the competition. So we might have to. <laughs> put some sort of restrictions on that going forward because the website votes were a bit controversial oh, when I went to public vote. But yeah, for those listening, we're both doing the, uh, the handcuff gesture. We're not doing anything disgustingly inappropriate. Don't be worried. Guys, there's actually, there's a Milan fight going on in the comments, which is quite fun. There's people yeah, just slagging off Milan fans and Gattuso. So more of that. Um, I love when the comments are active because you get distracted from what we're actually supposed to be doing. <laughs> And it probably well, I, in in defence of the was it Phil that was saying about Milan possibly making it Champions League? I, I think Inter <laughs> and AC Milan was a bit too far. But when you consider that, in as far as form goes, Inter are seventeenth, Roma are nineteenth. In the last six rounds, there's not one win between them. So, in that respect, ten points can disappear very quickly. So. You, you do never yeah. know. Ten but. points could disappear, but Milan still have to keep this form going. And I called on Twitter well, that they yeah, will lose the foul in two weeks, well, and I'm sticking by that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to trying to stick up for old mate Phil, who's getting a hammering at the moment. <laughs> I think I've been harsh on Phil. Phil, I do apologise because you are getting a bit of abuse in the comments now. Um, Imran's response was. Mate, you have Gattuso as manager. Should it, Milan? Not do shit, <laughs> which I enjoyed very much. I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah. But then, Standard. I lost a bit of respect for Imran when he was asked who he supported, and he said he's just a neutral. He's bottled that there. Um, <laughs> he could even support Benevento or something, but that's disappointing. But guys, keep up the comments. We do really enjoy them. But make sure you download the podcast too, just to give us that extra, that extra number in the downloads column. Um, guys, we've made it to the end. Well done. This has flown by. I love you both. Vito, tell people what you've been doing and where they can find your stuff. Well, as per usual, obviously, I'm doing these podcasts, so keep listening. Tell your friends about it. Share the love around, and we appreciate all the support. So, of course... Um, YouTube, you're watching me now, so that's good. Otherwise, there's my fan page on uh, Facebook, Vito Doria. Otherwise, my Twitter handle and Instagram uh, um, usernames are the same, Vito C. Doria. So check out my stuff there and uh, keep on listening. And Vito's article on Jack Bonaventura's importance to me that actually went up today. So go over and read that on ForzaItalianFootball.com. <laughs> I started laughing when you spoke. Vito, not because anything you said, but because CM Fox commented, and this is the last comment I'm reading out because I'll lose it. Gattuso was a heart attack waiting to happen, especially in the coaching job role. Plus, his face looks fatter now. Nick, tell people where they can find you on social media. 
am I supposed to do it after that? Um, <laughs> good friendly. Oh, God. Um, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, the usual. And um, obviously, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you get the notifications. So when we upload any videos, uh, I don't write that much, but um, we'll be looking to do more and more videos. So uh, Vieri and Dov are also pushing them out, answering lots of questions and stuff. So make sure you're watching all those videos, subscribe, like, all that kind of stuff. Top. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Conjay Clancy. I have a Facebook page that you can find by searching for my name and everything goes up on Forza Italian Football. That is of interest to anyone listening to this. CM Fox oh, is getting abused now. It's time, it's time to wrap this up before the comments get too. <laughs> we had a bit of, we had some racism in there a couple of weeks ago, which wasn't too much of a fan of. Phil is an Inter fan too. Nick, so you have a friend. Right, I'm rambling. That's Let's awesome. end this and put the commenters out of their misery. Guys, come back same time next week for the same absolute nonsense. But yeah, that's all there is to say. Ciao for now.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.